When I was in school, um, first day of algebra class, the teacher um, gave a pop quiz. Um, the, the question was very simple, actually. It was only one question. She asked, describe today without using numbers. Describe today without using numbers. I wasn't sure if it was a trick question, but I got tricked. Um, describe today, if I was going to do it right now, how do you describe today without using numbers? So I can't say 19th of September. I can say Sunday, but then it's not much of a description, is it? The way she answered it was, today is the day after yesterday and the day before tomorrow. I was confused then, I'm still confused now, and my algebra marks suffered then as a result. But the good thing is, we don't have such problems or confusion when looking at a book like Galatians. Galatians may well be the first letter or the first book that Paul wrote. It is short, sharp, and even savage at points. And for good reason. The gospel is at stake. It's a matter of heaven or hell if you get the gospel confused. And to make it sure, it had to be a clear message that was already preached and was already accepted. So today, instead of not using numbers, I'd like to sum up Galatians in a mathematical equation. It goes like this. Jesus plus one equals zero. Jesus plus one equals zero. That's the good news of Galatians. The only way to be saved is to believe in Jesus. His work centered on the cross. The only person who saves is Jesus, and we can only receive this salvation. Jesus plus one equals zero. That's why the gospel is by grace alone. That's what we will learn even in the first 10 verses of Galatians. Galatians is centered on Jesus, his cross, and how he saved us from sin. He justified us. That's a word that means he declared us not guilty. And we receive this by the simple act of believing. So that's the how, justification by faith alone. And why is this the case? How did this happen? Who made it happen? Well, it all happened because of God's grace. It's all grace from beginning to end. So we'll look at our passage under three headings. First, the apostle of, from God. Second, the amazing grace of Christ. And third, the absolute Christ. Let's look at our first heading now. The apostle from God. Look at verse 1 with me. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ. And God the Father who raised him from the dead. So Paul calls himself an apostle right here and in many of his letters. But here is the only place where he specially emphasizes it. He wasn't pre-selected by a church. No members voted upon his candidacy. He didn't get a majority vote and then so was ordained to be an apostle. No, Jesus himself ordained him, appointed him, called him to that role. He is an apostle from God. He is sent by God for God's people. He began this way because the Galatians... The people of Galatia were influenced by false teachers. They questioned his apostleship. They even questioned his understanding of systematic theology. 
how to use the Old Testament in light of the New. The false teachers, we will know them by a name, Judaizers. That's what they were called, Judaizers, those who still practice the Jewish system. It's a term um, uh, that, that was given to the teachers because they wanted to make sure the law, the law of Moses in the Old Testament, continued to be applied to Christians. Now, how do you come under the law? How do you subscribe? How do you become a people of God in the Old Testament? What's the first step? You have to be circumcised, don't you? Circumcision is a cutting of the flesh. I won't describe it in detail. I, I hear Paul Matthew's name mentioned a lot here when questions are raised up. So, so go to him. Um, <laughs> But let me just say what it represents, what circumcision represents. It is the initiating act of one coming under the law of God. Under the law of Moses, in the Old Testament, you have to be circumcised, if you're a man, of course, if you're a boy. And so, two big problems are happening in Galatia. One, false apostleship is being questioned, was being questioned. Second, they are undermining the gospel of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by adding to the gospel this works, works of the law, works of the flesh. So if you are circumcised back then, you are in effect saying, so if you call yourself a Christian and then you say, I will be circumcised because I want to obey God's law. Well, you're in effect saying, that's what saves me. That's what counts for my benefit. Instead, what we're being told by Paul again and again in this um, passage and in this book, we only need to believe. We receive salvation by faith. It's surrendering our autonomy, isn't it? Our independence. Surrendering our rights and resting on what Jesus has done. So Paul, as early as verse 1, emphasizes his credibility, his confirmation as an apostle, and then um, looks upon what Jesus has done. He died, and he was raised from the dead, and that's why Paul is now serving him as his servant. So this book is about that mathematical equation, Jesus plus 1 equals 0. You cannot add anything to Jesus and still call it a gospel. The gospel is good news, not good advice. It's not a to-do list. It's not subscribing to rules. There is a place for the law, and, and, and Paul will, will tell us more about that as we um, go through Galatians. But obedience, our obedience, doesn't save us. Our faith doesn't save us. It's a receiving act, but Jesus alone saves us. So unlike his other letters, Paul wanted to emphasize his call as an apostle. And also, unlike his other letters, there's something missing in, in this book. In all his other letters, there's a commendation, a thanksgiving for the church that he is writing to. Paul loves to think about what God has done at the beginning of a church plant. And then he praises God in thanksgiving. You can look at his other letters and, and how he begins with thanksgiving to God for what he has done in the life of a church. But none of that here. 
So we see a sense of urgency. So he may have left that out intentionally. Still, he pauses to pray the Galatians. And that leads to our second heading, the amazing grace of Christ. Look at verse 2. And all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. It's, it's easy to just skip these um, verses, isn't it? Um, grace and peace. It's so common in, in, in his letters. Um, and it's the standard greeting, uh, at least in Paul's letters. It's like the word greetings, which was a common way of starting letters back then. But grace is a tweaking of that word greetings. And so grace becomes a Christian word, isn't it? It's a strikingly Christian. What's so amazing about grace? What's so amazing about grace? Well, first, we need to understand what is grace? What is grace? Because in our biblical understanding, grace is the why we even get God at all. Grace is God coming down to us. Or like John Calvin would say, we cannot know God unless he comes to us. And he comes to us in baby talk. In baby talk, we can only know God if he comes down to our level. So it's the very nature of God to be gracious. It has to do with God's love, his mercy, his loving kindness. And the key is, it's undeserved. God is the initiator of salvation. He comes down to us. His love for us is unlimited for us fallen men, men and women. What do we know about Galatia? Well, it's a place near Ankara, the, the capital of modern Turkey. But the Galatians, the people themselves, they are pagans who 300 years before this letter um, conquered this area. Um, the original people were from Gaul um, in, in Europe, um, probably France in this instance, and the people were called Celtics or, or Celtics, if you know a, um, a soccer team by that name, that's, that's probably where they come from, Celtics. Um, the place name became the description, so the Gaul, Galatia, Galatians. And God's grace is amazing because France will not receive the gospel until 500 years later after this letter. But the Gaul, the Gauls from France, who are now the Galatians, they had it earlier. So, so Paul wanted to make sure they continue to live in the grace of God. He feared for them because it's easy to um, miss out on the reality of grace and then add, what can I do to, to, to add to my salvation? Or even, how can I be sure I, 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 I am saved? Well, I need to do something. Maybe be circumcised. Look at the law of Moses and, and start following those practices that I've been, been told. So Paul feared for them. He prays for them because he knows how amazing God's grace is. He adds peace as well. The common Hebrew word shalom um, which is about the, the well-being of a person, his wholeness under God, mind, body, and soul, and heart. 
So, so Paul shows here and, and in, will show here an intensity, an outburst of anger. He realizes only God's grace can melt hardened hearts. He knows this by personal experience. If we know anything about how Paul got converted, then we will know he's been struck by God's grace upon him at that uh, experience in the Damascus Road. It's all because of Jesus Christ, verse 4, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of God our Father. It's the gospel in its simplest rendering. Jesus gave himself for us to rescue us from sins. He gave himself, meaning he was a substitute. He didn't need to die but he placed himself in our stead so we can be rescued from sin. We are rescued also from the realm of evil, the addictive effects of a sinful world, the influence of what it means to to be in a polluted, sinful um, environment. And Jesus has conquered all that for you church. So now verse 5, and God and Father, uh, to our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Now we, we have a purpose. Now we know how to live. Um, and it's all about God's glory that we want seen and manifested in our lives. Jesus alone saves by giving himself to us. The gospel is good news, not good advice. That's why this is how Paul prays. Grace is both the nature of God, already mentioned that, but it's also the realm where, where those in Christ can live freedom. Good works is, is an effect and an outworking of our salvation, but they don't save. Only Jesus saves. And so we want to be in this um, state of grace um, uh, under God. Like what C.S. Lewis um, mentioned in his book, Mere Christianity, he describes um, Christianity or the Christian um, church as a whole. We're, we're like a house. And in this house, there are lots of different rooms. And you have to get inside the hall. But when you're in the hall, you can check out all the rooms and, and practice your faith in, in ways that the Bible allows with, without trying to um, um, criticize or judge every other room. But if they're in Christ, then they, they belong to the same God and Father. So entering that house is, is by grace. It's Jesus' invitation for us to become part of his family. There's, there's more to say about that, of course, but Paul wants to especially emphasize we cannot top up what Jesus has already done. And he doesn't um, mind uh, being harsh and savage against those who would twist the gospel of God for their benefit. He even pronounces a double curse because the danger of adding any one thing, anything, or even one thing to what Christ has done 
will damn us. So here's the challenge for, for all of us. Or if you're not yet a Christian, have you received Christ and Him alone? Have you given up your autonomy? Have you seen your sinfulness before Him? Come to Him. He invites you to come. He is gracious and kind and will take you as you are. And for all of us here who have received Christ, are we trusting in our good works? Um, And that's the grounds of my salvation. Or are we trusting in our faith? We believe that's why I'm a Christian. Or are you trusting in your own repentance, your good works? said that, sorry. To make you right with God. No, Jesus alone saves you. His work alone is what saves us. His grace enabled us and enables us and to believe and to do good works. But Jesus himself, his righteousness, is what God sees and is to your account a benefit for your salvation. So even here and now, need to be sure, the absolute Christ is all you need. And that's our last heading, the absolute Christ. Look at verse 6. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by grace, the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Jesus plus one equals zero, isn't it? The, the, the reformer, um, Martin Luther, was so in love with, with the letter of Galatians. He described Galatians as mine. I'm engaged to it. It is my Catherine, my wife. From, from Galatians, Martin Luther um, discovered, rediscovered the doctrine of justification by faith alone, and he will go on to preach that again and again. Um, he will make sure that's, that's the hinge where Christianity turns to say that it's the only way we, we get right with God. He declares us um, out of his grace, not guilty. So the question in his mind, Luther's mind, was how do we get right with God? And the answer comes to us again and again by believing in the Lord Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. That's the how, and this is the why. If you ever question why am I even saved, why is my neighbor not saved, why am I saved, then grace. Grace. Christ enabled you by his grace to believe. So grace is the nature of God. It's the realm where we can live in freedom, but it's also the means we are called to become Christians. We might think as Christians that it's because we made a decision. That's why we are now, um, we have a story to say, uh, to tell to people, the story of our conversion. I decided, this is me talking, because when I was 12 years old, many moons ago, I made a decision to, to follow Christ. or At least that's how I believed it. I saw Jesus as cool, 
and worth following. And so, from there and then, I, I trace back my own salvation to that day. I didn't know more, many things about the Christian life, but I remember that day. Christian testimonies, if you ever heard one, it's common enough to, to um, people's Christian testimonies. If you ever heard one, um, it's, it's always something about a decision that was made. I was a drag addict, but Jesus rescued me, so I decided to follow him. Or, I grew up in a Christian home and was taught the gospel, and in time, I decided to take this seriously, this faith. When I was leading the youth group in another church, uh, a common story or regret um, of some of our young people was this, and, and I'm probably quoting this um, word for word, I don't have a dramatic conversion story. I don't know if you've heard any of that. Um, I don't have a dramatic conversion story. I've always known Christ. I grew up um, with Christian parents. But how can I be sure? Now, the, the only problem with that, it, it, it's good to, to find out well, if, if we're in the faith, but the only problem of asking for a conversion story is we're looking to self. We're looking for something we can hold on to instead of looking to Jesus Christ and what he has done as the only means of our salvation. Perhaps the, the better way is to making our personal testimony Christ-centered. And it should be the way. We need to make our testimonies Christ-centered. You can even begin by saying 2,000 years ago, Jesus died and rose again. And when I trust in his work, I'm saved. And then as you discover more of God in the Bible, you will realize, discover that before the creation of the world, um, all the spiritual blessings have already been given to you because of God's love and grace. And so if you wait for a dramatic story, if you're a young um, person here or you're, you're with Christian parents, don't, don't begin with, with the question, have I had a Christian home or not? But like anyone else, whether you grew up in a Christian home or not, will you look to Jesus? Will you look to Him, His finished work, as your only means of salvation? Will you receive that work of Jesus? If not, then you have the Galatian problem. You bumped into that mathematical conundrum. Jesus plus one equals zero. And you don't want that. It is no gospel at all. If you think you can add to Christ's finished work, then it's time to repent. So, so that they can assure somebody they're a Christian. Maybe they'll say, to be a Christian, you need to be a member of a church, and only this church. Probably heard of that. Or to be a Christian, you need to be speaking in tongues or you have to display some spiritual gift so that you can be assured you're a Christian. Or perhaps you need to give this much money off your income. Then you are a Christian. What other additions have you heard or required so that someone can say you're legit? And, and don't let... So, so don't let that be the story 
Let Jesus be the story of your life, what he has done. Um, just to add something important, I was listening to a book, so I love listening to books, and it's very important to read this part of the Confessions. It's about justification by faith. And from what I've been preaching, you, you'll hear echoes of what I was trying to get at. This is um, chapter 11 of the Westminster Confession of Faith. It says this, Those whom God effectually calls, He freely justifies, or declared not guilty, not by infusing righteousness into them, but by forgiving their sins and by accounting and accepting them as righteous. Not because of any work in them or done by them, but by Christ, for Christ's sake alone, that they are justified. Not the act of believing, but imputing the righteousness of Christ. So you see, you're not even saved because you believe, but you're saved because of what Jesus has done. But the faith that enabled you to believe is a gift of God. That's Ephesians 2, isn't it? So God justifies you because of the work of Jesus. And so you look to Him. You look at what He's done. Then you say, mine. We can only receive what's been declared as true. Verse 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Let him go to hell. Damn. Damn that person. This is the double curse in Galatians. Paul is angry at those who pervert the gospel of Jesus. He is adamant, even if he himself begins to add to Jesus for the salvation, the proclamation of the gospel, may he go to hell. Anathema, may that person be cut off. So, a subtle hint at circumcision, which he'll speak about in the a book. Again, circumcision is an initiation. This is what the Judaizers are saying. But they're not just saying circumcision. You have to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses. That means the food laws, the Sabbaths or special holidays, and then all the special um, rituals that the Jews were practicing at that time. So to be saved, you need to add to Jesus. As far as we know, these Judaizers believe that Jesus is the promised Messiah. They have received Him as, as Christ and Lord. But then the effect of their preaching is hell. Because the place of the law is not to make us right with God, but to show us how we need Him. So don't make that mistake. The gospel is by grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone, the glory of God alone. You need Christ. He's all we need. 
to be saved. And we receive Him by faith, by that simple act of believing, trusting that He's done it all. For us, all that matters is what He's done. And we got it because God is gracious. For grace to be grace, it must come from outside of us. From, for grace to be grace, it must be a gift that is simply received. For, for grace to be grace, it must come from the God who has so much of himself. And he has. It's been given a beautiful acronym, and we all heard this. What is grace? G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. God's riches at Christ's expense. The rest of the book of Galatians will give us the results of what it means to believe. And he will, Paul will also tell us of the dangers of what it means to add to our works. So to add works to our salvation. Thinking we can earn our way up to heaven. So Paul is centering his message in the um, doctrine of justification which has an effect in sanctification. Justification is the one act of believing that, that brings you into his kingdom. Sanctification, process, you become more holy, you become more like Christ, and there's a place for the law in sanctification. But not so we can say to God, look what I've done, bless me. No, grace is God's riches at Christ's it's Christ from beginning to end. Grace is ours in Christ alone. So believe in Jesus. What the Christian life is all about. Placing our, our trust that He is sufficient for all that we need. Jesus alone is all you need. Trust Him and you will be saved. Don't add anything to the gospel. Jesus plus one equals zero. Instead, keep it simple. Jesus plus zero equals everything. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, what a joy that we need not work to receive the salvation you offer. We rejoice at the work of Christ on the cross, and that his alone gospel is what will save us. We thank you for the gift of faith that enables us to believe, that enables us to continue to walk by faith and not by sight. Help us, Lord. Um, we all face different kinds of challenges, and, and we can be swayed or persuaded that we may have done something wrong when our expectations are not met. Help us to find our identity in the Lord Jesus again and again and that He's done it all for us. We need not add to it. And so all our doing, all our working is out of a joyful response to all that you are for us in Jesus Christ. May this be our testimony, Father that Jesus has done it all and we're happily tagging along in this mission here on earth for us.
Jesus' name.